We can sing that sins are forgiven uh, because Jesus has done everything that God requires in the law, and when we trust that, it becomes ours. Amen? So that's the good news to us this, this afternoon. And uh, turning in our Bibles, uh, first of all, sorry, turning in, in uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, so there's a sermon notes page that you should have, and on the one side of it, the front side, has some questions from the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, we've been using this catechism, that's a question and a- form of questions and answers that teach the Christian, uh, the Christian faith. Uh, we've been using this, this catechism uh, for the last year, and so we're going to finish out the year using it. Uh, there are three great things that we all need to know in this life, to live joyfully and to live in the trust, the comfort that we belong to Jesus Christ. We need to know three things. Kids, you know those three things, right? Three things. First, you need to know the greatness of what? Sin and misery. We need to know our sin, the greatness of our sins. Secondly, we need to know what? The greatness of what? God's grace. Okay, God's grace in Christ. So we need to know sin, the greatness of our sins. We need to know the greatness of God's grace. And we need to know the third, a third thing. How we're to thank God. Good. How we're, how we're to be thankful because of that. As sinners... Saved by grace, how should I then live? How should I be thankful? And so uh, we've, we've uh, focused on those first two, and now we're in that third part of our catechism that from here on out to the end of the year, we're going to be focusing on what it means to live a Christian life. So uh, beginning next Sunday will be Ten Commandments, and that will go on for quite a while, and then, uh, and then uh, Lord's Prayer. So prayer, uh, Ten Commandments and Lord's Prayer. So here this afternoon, thinking of the idea of conversion, um, uh, a new life, living a new life, and where does that come from? Question 88, if you would read with me the answer. The question is this, what is involved in genuine or true repentance or conversion? What's the answer? Two things, the dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. And then question 89, what is the dying away of the old self? To be genuinely sorry for sin And more and more to hate and run away from it. Question 90 in the top of that right column. What is the rising to life of the new self? Wholehearted joy in God through Christ. And a love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. And then finally this afternoon, and we'll focus on this next week more, but uh, in the weeks to come. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith, conform to God's law, and are done for his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or human tradition. We're going to look at three texts this afternoon, and uh, we'll just go through them one by one uh, when we come to them. So let me just make a couple quick observations before we get there. Um, I want you to to think about uh, living the Christian life uh, as a life of joy, and to do that, this wonderful catechism, again, structures it in terms of knowing three things. And knowing it is not just with your brain, right? It's not just facts. This is not just knowing that one plus one equals two, A, B, C, the first three letters of the English language, uh, you know, the sun rises at a certain time in the morning tomorrow and it sets, and, uh, you know, certain facts. It's not just facts. Uh, this is a, a, a true knowledge uh, of knowing things with our, with our heads but then also uh, receiving them and living them out with our hearts and in our lives. So a true knowledge in the greatest of senses of what it means to know. 
And the Christian life is a life of joy. It's a life of joy knowing that I, as a guilty sinner, have been saved by the grace of God, and now I am to be grateful. Uh, It's knowing that uh, I, as a sinner, have been saved, and now I am to serve God. So sometimes we talk about guilt, grace, gratitude, or sin, salvation, service. Uh, Those are kind of the three little headings for us as Christians. So those three things should help us live in joy. That I, as a sinner, have been saved by the overwhelming love and grace and mercy of God. And therefore, I want to. Notice that, that question, 80, uh, or the question 90. It's, you know, I want to. I love and I delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. The Christian life is a life of joy. Living it out in joy. And, and, uh, and joy... Um, Joy is not an, 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 an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Um, but joy is a, is, a, is a quality of life. Uh, you can be happy, you can be sad. That emotion is going to go and come and up and down one day to another. But joy is always there, even in sadness, even in persecution, even in death. If our spouse dies, we still have joy as believers because we know that our spouse is with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're sad emotionally, but our joy remains. So the Christian life is a life of joy. Through all the ups and downs, all the twists and turns, all the, uh, all the good and the bad and the ugly, we know that we belong to Jesus Christ. He saved us sinners by his amazing grace, and now he calls us to live a life of gratitude uh, and thankfulness. So notice, first of all, then, these questions and answers uh, bring up something very interesting. This idea of a continual conversion. Continual conversion. Uh, In theological speak, when we talk about conversion as Christians, what do we normally associate conversion with? Being born again. Regeneration. Justification. right? All these big, big terms. Uh, How many times can we be born again? How many times, kids, how many times can you be born from your mom's womb? Once. Okay, once. Nicodemus once didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He's like, how can I go back to my mom's womb and be born again? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, right, because you can't be born again physically. And uh, just like you're born, born once from your mother, you're born again from the power of the Holy Spirit only once. So we normally think about conversion as being born again and regeneration, even justification sometimes. Because that's a once-and-for-all thing that happens to us. Jesus talks about uh, that when we, when we know him, that we pass from death over to life. We're in a state of death. We come to Christ. We pass into a state of life, from death to life. That's a once-and-for-all, unrepeatable, never-revocable thing. But the Bible also talks about conversion as a continual thing. And I put there in that little outline. Um, even the language of regeneration can be used as an ongoing thing. So when I say continual conversion, or when the catechism says that, what it really means is sanctification. So we usually use that language of sanctification, right? We're, we, are, we are born again, we are justified, and we are being sanctified. That we are being created uh, as new creatures in Jesus Christ, becoming more and more holy. And so that, that big truth that I want you to think about is that uh, there is a difference between conversion as a once and for all change from death to life, from darkness to light, slavery to freedom, and so forth. 
uh, and continual conversion. So that, and that's what the catechism is talking about here. It's not talking, talking about being born again. It's not saying that by our good works we're born again and that we pass from death to life. No, we've already seen how we pass from death to life. That's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And this is talking about a continual, ongoing, day-to-day, until the moment we die or Jesus returns, that we are to be, uh, or that, that we are being converted. That we are being converted, meaning we are being sanctified. We are being made more and more holy. And that's where I want to look at these three passages this afternoon. So there's a continually dying aspect to this, the answer says, and there's a continual rising uh, aspect of this, as that answer, uh, the other answer says as well. So continual conversion. The Christian is to undergo a continual conversion, constant, ongoing, remaining until the end of our human existence on this life. And that means to be genuinely sorry for our sins and more and more to hate and to run from our sins, just like Joseph running out of Potiphar's house when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, running from sin. So kids, we know we talk about not, we talk about love your neighbor as yourself, and we don't want to hate anyone. The Bible tells us that we are not to be filled with hate, we're to be filled with love. But there's, there's at least one thing that we're called to hate. We're called to hate the devil, of course, and so forth, but there's at least one thing, one big thing that we're to hate, which is our sin. You're to hate your sin. Love God, love neighbor, but hate your sin. It's kind of weird to think about that, but that's, that's what the Bible says. Hate your sin. Run from it more and more. So let's look at three texts this afternoon. We're going to just run through these quick. I want you to see this idea of dying continually and rising continually. So Romans 6. Romans 6, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. Those three texts are printed out there for you. Romans chapter number 6. And I'm just going to run through and tell you what it says here about uh, the continual dying to your sins. So Paul is saying here that uh, are we to continue sinning that grace would abound? Should we sin more to get more grace? No, of course not. And he answers it by asking another question. How can we who died to sin, notice it's a thing that's already happened, still live in it? You've already died? How can you keep living in a state of dying? That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Living in a state of dying. It doesn't make any sense. That's, that's his point. You can't. You've died your sins. And so forth. And then he says, do you not know that uh, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, with, uh, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So it's all this past tense, right? So this is speaking that once and for all conversion. Once and for all conversion. You died once and for all. You were buried once and for all. Uh, you were dead once and for all. To your sins. To your sins. And then he goes on to, uh, to say that you were united with him in a death like his. Uh, your old self, he goes on to say, oh, I didn't write the verse down for that one, but your old self, he says, uh, has been uh, crucified with him. Your old self has been crucified with him. Then I want you to see this. So all this past tense language of once and for all conversion. You've already died. You've already been buried. You've already been joined to Christ. You've been crucified with Christ, etc., etc. But look at what he says there uh, in verse 12 and 13. 
Uh, verse 11, sorry, verse 11. So, because of all this past tense stuff, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So if you've already died your sins, if you already were crucified and buried with Jesus, why would he say that you are to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God? Notice that. There's, there's what God has already done, and now he's telling us what we are to do. That's verse 11. God has done all this. Christ has done all this. He died for you. He was buried for you. And when you were baptized by faith, you were joined to that crucifixion, cross, death, and burial. That's your conversion. But in verse 11, he tells you that you are to continually tell yourself, consider yourself. The the language there is the language of reckoning or, or imputing or counting as it's translated here. You are to to impute to yourself. Tell yourself. Consider in your own mind that that you yourself have already died. And that's an ongoing thing. You are to tell yourself, I've already died, but I have to continue to remember that. So there's an ongoing, continual aspect of our sanctification, of our conversion. Tell yourself every single morning that you are dead, even though you're still alive. I'm dead to my sins. I was crucified with Jesus Christ. I was buried with Jesus Christ. My sins were buried with him in the tomb. The debt of my sins were, uh, was uh, nailed to the cross. It's all paid for. It's all done. But I am to do that continual aspect of being sorry for my sin and hating my sin and running from my sin by telling myself that. Because every single day you're going to be be reminded of by the world, your own sinful flesh and the devil that not really. You know, you didn't really die with Jesus Christ. Not every sin was nailed to the cross. A lot of them, but not all of them. Oh, and by the way, the ones that weren't, you're doing those right now. Consider yourself dead. Tell yourself that you are dead. Sin. Now go over to Ephesians 4. This one's a little shorter. Ephesians 4, where the Apostle Paul again uh, says it like this. Um, He says, uh, let's see here, verse 20. Well, look at verse 20. He says, uh, you haven't learned Christ like this. And he's talking about all these previous sins, all this past life. You can look up there in verse 17. Uh, and following. All the past lifestyle that you had, all of your sins, you were dead in your sins and so forth. He says, you've not learned this, you've not learned uh, this way from Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So again, he's telling us that you have to know what it means that you were once a sinner, but now you're saved. And what does it mean? He says, verse 22, to put off your old self. The old self literally is the old man. Who is the old man? Who's the old man that you've got to take off? Your sin nature. And where does that come from? And which man does it come from? Adam. Right? So, right? He's talking about Adam here and Christ. Put off that old Adam and all the guilt and all the sin and all the corruption that comes from him. That belongs, he says, again, verse 22, to your former manner of life. And it corrupted you through deceitful desire. 
then he goes on to say what it means to put on the new man. But you are to put off, you are to put off that former manner of life continually, continually. That's what Paul describes in Romans 7. I think I mentioned it this morning uh, in my prayer that Paul talks about a body of death clinging on to us. You know, the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, I'm doing it. And Paul has this wrestling and this struggle in, in his life as a believer. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who delivered me from this body of death? And the imagery there is this, this man clinging on to your back, weighing you down in the pilgrimage of life. That's the old man, Adam. That's your sin nature. That's your original sin. That's the corruption that still clings on to you. Put it off, he says. Put it off. Now notice in Colossians 3. Colossians 3 is, is, is longer, but uh, just to summarize it, notice Colossians 3. He begins by saying, you know, you, you have already been raised with Christ, but then now he's going to talk about what that means. So there's a couple different verbs that are used here. One of them is in verse number 5. Put to death, notice. Put to death, therefore. What is earthly in you? And notice the list. So, what does it mean to live a life that's not spiritual, that's not directed towards God? What's an earthly, quote-unquote, earthly life that you're to put to death? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is, he says, idolatry. Because you're, you're wanting something that God hasn't given to you that belongs to someone else. That, that's an idol. Put them all away, he says. Notice that verse number 8. Put them all away. Kill your sins. Put away your sins. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Lying to one another. Why? Because you've put off the old self with its practices. You've put on the new self and so forth. So this list is by no means exhaustive. And some of, these, some of these sins here are outward sins. Sexual immorality being one. Obscene talk with your mouth. But notice there's a lot of heart issues here. Idolatry, because you want something that God hasn't permitted you to have. Passions, desire, evil desires, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, and so forth. Put these things off. Kill them, put them off. You have this old dusty garment, you know, you, uh, this old clothes. You probably have a, maybe a closet with some old dress or an old suit, uh, an old shirt or something like that. And maybe you haven't, you haven't used it in a while. Uh, it's been sitting there uh, on a shelf, maybe hung up somewhere. Maybe it's in an attic. It's in a little closet somewhere. And it's full of dust. Maybe have some moths in it, right? Some little holes been eaten away into it. It's dirty. It's maybe got some cobwebs on it. Put it off. Get rid of it. That's the old man. Get rid of it. Put away all these things. So that's what it means to continually be dying. We've already died once and for all to our sins in in our once and for all conversion, but we are to continually be converted. That's why I mentioned before, Martin Luther said when he woke up every single day, I am baptized. I am baptized. It's a once and for all thing, but it has an ongoing benefit. I am baptized. I've died to my sins. I've been buried with Christ. I was crucified with him. I died with him. I am identified with him. 
But these things still cling to me. Put them off. Put them to death. Well, how do I put to death uh, uh, this, these sorts of things? How do I put off anger and, and wrath and malice? By loving. Don't be angry. Be full of love. And so forth. Do the opposite. Do the opposite. And that's what he says. You know, just a second. So there's a continual dying and also a rising to the Christian life. Wholehearted joy in God through Christ. A love and delight to live according to the will of God. And so forth. So back to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're going to go with those three, three one more time really quick. Romans chapter number 6. Uh, he speaks here of this continual rising. This continual living to God. Just as Christ, he says, Romans 6, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So we're buried with him in death and in baptism, and we are raised with Jesus Christ. And we've been united or joined to him in a resurrection like his, and we will also live with him. Tell yourself that every single day. Just like you have to tell yourself every single day that you've died. Tell yourself, I'm alive. I'm alive to Jesus Christ. I don't have to live down in the sewer of sin with the rest of the world. I'm alive. Heartfelt or wholehearted joy in God through Christ. Continually be rising every single day. I've been baptized into death and I've been raised to life. And again, in Ephesians chapter 4, to pick up there, after he says that we are to put off uh, this old self, which belongs to our former manner of life, uh, he says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So if the old self, it's our sinful nature, but that comes from Adam. So if our old self is Adam... Who's the new self? Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, it's a recreation. Verse 24. The language of image and likeness of God, where does that come from in the Bible? Image and likeness? Where in the Bible do we find that language? Creation language, right? Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of our Bibles. So there's a creation of in the beginning, image and likeness, but there's also a recreation. In Christ, we are being recreated after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Adam lost all that. It's being remade in us. Tell yourself that every single day. I'm being made new in Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians chapter 3, again, just picking up there where we, we saw it, we are to kill our, sin, our sinful nature. We're to put away all these kinds of sins. Verse 10, he tells us, because, do this because you have put on the new self. And there's that language again. Renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. And then he says in verse 12, notice, put on. So we are to, to put to death. Verse 5. Verse 8, to put away. Verse 9, you are to uh, put off, again. Verse 10, put on. And verse 12, put on, notice. 
And in contrast to what we put off, the things of Adam, the things of original sin, the things of cursedness to God, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And notice these are the opposites of the things he described earlier. He said put off and kill, put away, anger, malice, wrath, slander, and so forth. But then he says this, to put on humility, meekness, patience. You're to bear up with, with each other as fellow believers. If you have a complaint, if someone has a complaint against someone else, forgive one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Notice that. That's the distinction between the, the gospel and the response of the gospel. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. God in Christ has forgiven you every single one of your sins. Therefore, you're to forgive. If you're a child of God, be like your heavenly father. If he loves and he forgives, then therefore you should love and you too should forgive. And above all these things, put on love, notice. Put on love. It binds it all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You are called to this. Be thankful, verse 15. Let God's word hide in your heart and, and teach each other, admonish each other in all wisdom and, 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 uh, and uh, with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your hearts. And then he sums it all up in verse 17. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You are to, every day, undergo a continual renewal, a continual conversion. The apostle describes it elsewhere as a metamorphosis. You are to undergo a metamorphosis every single day. Just like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly in a little chrysalis. Every single day, like an ugly caterpillar, you're inside of a chrysalis and God is making you alive, transforming you from one degree to another until one day, like a butterfly, we see him and we are like him face to face. We, we, are, we are holy and righteous and we are in that image in perfection. No more sin. No more sin. We'll have put off everything that is evil and against the Lord and put it all on. That is uh, all the things that are good and holy and righteous and perfect. And we do that by doing good works, he says. We'll come to that next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, so we'll pause there. But every single day, brothers and sisters, remember that you belong to Jesus Christ and undergo by faith a death and a resurrection, a remembering of my death and a remembering of my resurrection, all in Christ, all in Christ. That's why, that's why we, as the answer says there, we are to be sorry for our sins, hate our sins, run from our sins, and to have wholehearted joy and love and delight to live according to the will of God. So undergo that, that continual resurrection and death today. And tomorrow morning, don't forget to say, I am baptized. Let's pray. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of the Bible, the word that we get to read and hear and think about uh, for a few minutes here. We pray that you would bless, uh, Lord, to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives, the things that we hear. Uh, encourage us by your Holy Spirit to go out. Uh, dying and rising, which might look strange to the world, but Lord, may we go out in that confidence and that joy of you, uh, knowing that we've already died and been raised and we are to do that every single day until you come again or we, or we enter your presence through death. 
And so, Lord, we pray this as well as uh, all the prayers that we, we have in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us and that you would hear us. And so, uh, Lord, uh, I pray this. And, Lord, if anything else, we'd like to pray as well. Uh, ask us that, we'd ask that you would hear our prayers.